Welcome to Rich in Relationship. And today we're speaking with Hunt Etheridge, who is a dating coach and somebody who I've met online, right? This is how we meet people today. How are you, Hunt? I'm well. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, I was seeing a new phrase recently. It's the H to H market. Instead of B to C and business to consumer, it's the home to home. I gotcha. So it's a new market of how we're meeting and, and how our new relationships are going. Yeah, I, I actually think it's kind of a testimony that, that we found each other on LinkedIn and here we are face-to-face -face sharing our genius with one another and our audiences. Exactly. That's Quotation marks, genius. Yes, exactly. That's what <laughs> yourself in play. You never know where you're going to find yourself. So, Hunt, how does a person find their way into dating and that whole world? Like, where's your, how did your passion pull you into this? Sure. Um, First off, it was from, because of my therapist. I was going to her for various and sundries about 14 years ago, as we all should. And she said to me, the men that come in here are broken, and I feel I can fix them. But the thing they want the most is to have a woman by their side, and I can't give them that. Mm. You know more about this than anybody I've ever met. You need to figure out a way to monetize this. And the minute you do, I'll refer all of my patients to you. And how do you know so much about that? I mean, I guess it comes down to I like people. Uh -huh. um, and, and so that kind of just what started the, the research. Like, well, yeah, do, do I know more than anybody else? What is it that I do know? Is it something that can be taught? Is it an art? Is it a skill? Is it a science? How do you break it down? How do you teach it? Is there a need for it? Um, mm -hmm. And I think two things that gave me the advantage. One, I genuinely like people. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a lot of fear in mm -hmm. interpersonal relationships, but a lot, which allows me to overshare or not, or be able to share vulnerable parts of myself that I don't get worried about how that makes me look. And I think that made people feel very comfortable with me very quickly, which has led to just great interpersonal relationships. And that kind of just led me down this whole pathway uh, over the last dozen years or so to where I am now. Yeah, I love that term overshare. It's such a, it's a really relative term actually. Uh, and it might be, uh, you know, my experience of you in, my, in our limited context is that you're just someone without a lot of, there's not a lot of stuff between who you are and the people you meet, which I think is really cool. I think that's kind of what we all, we come into life uh, as these totally available creatures and then, you know, we've sort of, we've learned to layer stuff on from our surroundings and the people we grow up with. And then we hit a point in our life where it's like, well, how did all this stuff get here? And then we spend a lot of time pulling layers off. So I'm not sure if you're oversharing. Exactly. Like that unlearning almost uh, in that. And you and I just mentioned before the start, the recording started that I really am enjoying this, 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 whatever this is now, because all of us have had to mix work and life in ways that we never have beforehand. And mm -hmm. of course, we've all had Zoom calls with kids. I've had them. I've had to, you know, running back and forth, all trying to make these things work, which we've all been doing since the beginning of time. But like you said, for, for some reason, we've kind of walled that off. One, you know, if you want to call it the Instagram, Facebook, you know, keeping up with the Joneses facade mm -hmm. that we wanted to present to the world. Um, meanwhile, you know, the back end is in turmoil. Well, and then all of us strive to become that, say, perfect version mm -hmm. that doesn't exist because we don't know. And then we flagellate ourselves for not reaching that ideal mm -hmm. and not knowing the full story of it. 
So now I think is a great little window into oversharing or just sharing yeah. in ways that we can be more fully ourselves. You know, before you would never mention that you had to pick your kids up from soccer if it interfered with a meeting because, and now it's like, yeah, I will be on the meeting at the soccer game. Or, or, or you're in the meeting and your kid jumps in. Exactly. <laughs> and everyone's just like, yeah, well, of course they do because we're all working from home. Exactly. So, how do those of us who, who don't have children and are single, how, how does dating, what, how does dating happen in the pandemic? It's such an interesting time right now because, for a couple of reasons. One, it reminds me a little bit of when online dating first came out because mm -hmm. learning how to present yourself in person and learning how to present yourself in the written word are two very different skill sets. And now we have a new third paradigm of the Zoom date uh, where people are having first dates over this video dating. Well, video dating has existed since videos existed. Uh -huh. It was not the way it is now. Now we have to do it, we're forced to do it. So now people are trying to learn how to present themselves well over this whole new unemotional uh, medium, trying to figure this all out. And if you're single as well too, you've just had a brush with death and you've been in a sensory deprivation chamber for months. So your, your, your hormones and your, your, your sanity is bouncing around the walls. And there's a, a new desire to find someone to quarantine with. It used to be hibernate with for, for the, uh, the, the cuffing season or whatever you will call it in this fall time. Now people are looking to quarantine together. Yeah, I've been reading about it. I've been reading about how people sort of move from uh, like a couple of dates to suddenly they're quarantined. Well, actually, it's not that dramatic. They, they'll date and then they'll quarantine together back and forth from each other's houses as part of it once they feel like they're... They're, they're, both people are in a safe bubble, yeah. you know. Um, but the but the move-in time seems to be a lot faster. It's kind of it kind of reminds me of when I was a kid. You know, you met someone somewhere, and next thing you know, you were living together. It's kind of funny because it has both sped up and slowed down the dating process. Because now you can't meet twenty people in a weekend. Now, if you're lucky, you get to meet one person in a weekend. So now there's a ton more value placed on every meeting. Mm -hmm. are, we, are we gonna meet in person? Are we gonna touch each other's hands? Are we gonna wear masks? How do you feel about hugs? You know, yeah. and it's super slowed down. A whole new kind of oversharing and undersharing. 100%, I've, we've all had to have these conversations, whether it's bubbles with kids or bubbles with dating, almost like STDs. How many people do you see a day? Right. Um, what is your, what type of protection are you using? Whole new conversations, whole new, like using it, like whole new paradigm. So mm -hmm. people are all trying, we're all trying to figure this out again. So it's kind of like, okay, we meet two or three times. We, we seem to have a connection. Then that's the speed up process. All right, let's just go straight to the movement. Um, yeah, I get it. So I work with a lot of people, as you know, I work with a lot of people who are in the divorce process and I work with couples. Um, what's, the, for the people who are, they're, almost done with their divorce and they're really thinking maybe they'd like to have someone in their life. They're feeling kind of alone. A lot of us are feeling kind of alone anyway. Yeah. Right? So imagine you're going through a divorce and you're really disconnected from your network. You don't go have the gym anymore and all those are groups that you used to go to. What's your best advice for those people on how to, how to approach dating like without being too needy or without being too fearful? Totally. hundred percent. Listen, dating like anything else is a skill set. You know, and it, 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 those who do it more, the more experience you have, 
you just get better at it. Like going to the gym. Like you know pretty much how to use everything, but if you're not used to going there often, you're not, you don't have the muscles built up yet. Mm -hmm. So I say we got to sort of go back to the gym in the way that I- The dating gym. The dating gym, and yeah. that's going on speed dates. And right now you've got virtual speed dates. Because again, you're not going to, unfortunately these days, be able to talk to five, 10 or 20 people in a weekend. Where do you find virtual speed dates? Is that like a meetup on, thing? Online, or? you just go online. There's a lot of them because now that everything's virtual, everything is virtual. Everything is available online, things that weren't available before. So you have various types of online dating, speed dating events uh, through Zoom. And it's a great way to get your repetitions in. You go there to practice talking to people. What type of questions are people reacting to? What type of people, what type of questions are people asking? What type of people, like one of my clients, uh, she just got divorced, got a, a four-year-old and an 18-month-old, and unfortunately tossed back in. One of the first dates she went on was a guy that was in an open relationship. They had a great date. It wasn't for her, but this is a new paradigm of what the world is like now and the types of people they're going to meet. So you need to just educate yourself and see what's out there. I'm guessing in some ways, because it's all virtual, it's a little less personal. It might even feel a little safer. It's much safer because you can do it from the, the comfort of your own home. And it's almost that like, I'm sure you've had the opportunity sometimes to meet a perfect stranger and tell them your whole life story. Um, because, because you're never going to see them again. There's a sense of freedom of being able to open up a mm -hmm. little bit more than if it was someone like in your friend group that you knew that you were going to see again. And again, because we're all going through this shared trauma, it gives us opportunities to be a little bit more vulnerable or mm -hmm. open than we would have otherwise, which uh, can create you know, psychological empathy uh, bonds of trust. But we can always just end the meeting and they never know where we lived or anything. And so it's like, it's, it's sort of a, it's a little less intimate, a little more intimate at the same time. So what are some ways that you help people in the, in the pandemic in their dating process? Yeah, um, I'm, like I said too, now I've had to take some of my coaching, by the way, if anyone wants to find me, it's huntforadvice.com. Um, and I've had to add in new, what, I can't meet my clients anymore in person. So obviously we're doing it like this. And then I've had to figure out different ways to bring more, more things to this. Now I have to coach them on how you date on this, how you look mm -hmm. good in this. So I've even found some of my old training coming back. I was a theater boy. So one of the things we learned in theater was called selling it to the back row. Mm -hmm. Meaning the, the people in the back row have to be able to see your emotions. So you have to over emote. When you're in person, it's easier to catch the little tiny yeah. signals, but you and me separated like this, if I'm talking to someone, I'm exaggerating a little bit right now, but you have to get more excited and over emote even more because since we don't have this personal connection, I need to raise the I feel level so emotionless right now. <laughs> I'm gonna start being more emotional, hun. Exactly. Yes. So I have found that I need to both bring that to my own session and then teach others That's how to do that. Very in cool. Sessions. That's very cool. By the way, do you, I'm just curious, did you go to school for theater? I did. Well, I got my, an undergrad in theater. Uh, Where'd and then, you go? Uh, uh, so that has helped me in, in confidence, improv. And now you, now that everything's online, everything is online. Um, the fam there's a famous improv theater in Chicago called Second City. 
Yes. Right now, Second City is offering four-week improv classes for $95 online. Oh, very cool. I want to check that out. And I'm folding it into my offerings because what is dating except improv? What is life except improv? Well, you know what? We could do a whole show just on improv, right? I know know way more about that than any coach should. But I was curious because my daughter is actually studying musical theater right now. Yeah, where? uh, At Manhattan School of Music. All right. But let's, get, let's stick with the, the subject to hand. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about is for those couples, I have a lot of couples that I work with who are having difficulty. And one of the things we talk about is how do you bring uh, sort of mature romance? Because we can never really go back to being in love. That's like, a, being in love is like a two to three year deal. Uh, and uh, you know, it's a limited time offer. Wired for that. Well, it's just not wired for that long. Yeah, so what are some tips that you might have for, for people who who would like to bring romance back into their 10, 15, 20, 30-year-old marriage, sure. especially in these times where they're really hanging out with each other more than they have in quite a while. Exactly. Uh, it, d- divorce rates are up 34% right now, which yep. is completely unsurprising because some relationships existed because you missed each other. And There's going to be a lot of babies in about six months too, though. Yes, there are. Oh, yeah. And they're all going to be named uh, Tiger King Enola. Uh, so, um, the first thing I would say, I'm just saying we're like looking up my books right here. Um, you know, the easy one, the, the five love languages. And oh, I love that book. There's some, you know, I mean, as the man's not necessarily a psychologist, he's just a, a man with uncommon common sense comes in learning to show love, learning how you want to show but he, love. But he actually, he was a marriage counselor. Yes, 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 yes. So, you know, he wrote the five love languages. I can't remember his name. He wrote the five love languages based on, he says, 20 years of experience. Yeah, Gary Chapman. After 20 years, I figured out that there's, they're all missing the same stuff. Right. And, and you know, I believe that there are more than just, you know, the five, but this gives us a good way to start to understand this. If you like to hear, if you are, for instance, words, words encouragement are your love language. You need to hear I love you. You need to hear you look beautiful, and that's fine. If you don't know how to ask for that, then you're not going to get that love for your way. One of my ways of showing love is acts of service. I like to do little things around the house. Oh, you and I, we're cut from the same cloth, my friend. My wife loves acts of service. Yeah, so um, when you know that those acts of service are acts of love as opposed to avoidance, you know, if they never, you know, if you're going around and they think you're trying to avoid them or something by doing all these working around the house. So learning that uh, you can speak the same language is great. Another thing is long-term studies just showed that people that respond positively to each other's bids have the longest relationship. Now, what that means is anytime you say something, sort of, it's a bid. Hey, honey, look at that bird. Now, you can respond negatively, uh, neutrally, or positively to that bid. Negatively, honey, I don't have time for this right now. Neutrally, mm-hmm, that's great. Oh, that's nice. Thanks for sharing. Exactly. Yeah. Positively, oh, cool. What color is it? Those who respond positively back and forth to each other's bids have a much higher likelihood of longer relationships. Mm. I'm going to work on that. All of us need to because anytime somebody is telling you something or showcase, giving you a bid, it is consciously or unconsciously telling you what they value. Mm, and if that's you great. come back with it in a way that doesn't make them feel somewhat appreciated, they will share less. 
Well, and they, and they, yeah, they also feel um, not heard, which is like the number one complaint for most people and maybe even disrespected depending on how you handle it and, yeah. and what, and what their triggers are from their childhood. Totally. I, I understand that you've been doing this a while and that you are developing a training program to help other people be good at what you do. Yes. Yes. One of the things that has always been tough in the coaching world, as you understand as well too, is you can't reach everybody. Um, you want to help as many people as possible. So over the years, I've been trying to start different companies and reach different people at different things. And uh, over the years, uh, have gained wisdom. And my business partner and I, that she and I have been friends for many years, the two of us combined have about 41 years experience in this industry. And we have taken and created almost all of the coaching programs and training programs that exist uh, in the industry. So we felt that we had more to, to offer and to give. So mm -hmm. we created the Matchmaking Business Academy, which mm -hmm. is uh, going to teach people at the beginning how to become a matchmaker or dating coach and to certify them, give them continuing education, all the way through, we're going to be offering BAs for those that are looking to get into the industry, and mm -hmm. BAs for those that want to grow their industry, or PhDs for those that are looking to launch onto the international stage. So, there's, so we want to be able to offer support and education for everybody anywhere on the market. But now this whole new H to H market, which who could have foreseen this when we started planning and working on this company is so many people now have lost their jobs or they yeah. pivot or find a new work life balance or figure out what's important or, or, or even get a side hustle. And so uniquely we are positioned to be able to offer book training that can be done fully digitally and online and through all of the new mediums we have. And then you can practice what you have learned the same way because now everyone is using Zoom. And like I, when I say everyone is using Zoom, everyone is using Zoom. I have clients in Serbia, mm -hmm. South Africa, Saudi Arabia, uh, uh, Ireland, Canada, mm -hmm. uh, Chile. So all of a sudden, this market has just exploded. So people that have never thought about it, countries that have never thought about this, are now starting to get excited about it. So it. I'm, I'm beyond excited to see where this goes because also we're facing unprecedented loneliness and people that don't know how to meet people now. So, yeah. so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like a, it's a one-two punch. Our services are unfortunately gonna be needed very much in mm -hmm. the upcoming year or two. The next year or two is gonna be about mental health, I think more about than physical health and, and human touch and relationships form with the Maslow's hierarchy of needs there when it comes to interpersonal relationships. So being able to help people achieve this in a time of ultimate stress, I mean, what more could you ask for? Can, can I help you out with this a little? Please do. Cool. So, because uh, I like you and I want to help you. So okay. this sounds like actually freaking brilliant. I mean, the timing is good. You know, you have the experience. You, you've covered a lot of the bases already. And, you know, I know from my own experience um, coming into coaching, you know, first I was like, well, I don't really know what I want to do, but I really know that I, I love working with people and that I've got, I've got some innate ability there. Uh, and I had, I had some background that didn't hurt, but it took me a while before I really found my niche. Like I, I sort of, and like most people who work in the coaching world, my niche emerged from 
my own successes in life, my own, the, the challenges, the things that had really challenged me, like maybe, you know, some people would have said, scarred them, you know, and turning those things into successes. Totally. You know, so what kind of person, I'm thinking about this in terms of what you do, what kind of person uh, would, would really thrive in your program? Uh, the phrase I always like is, uh, I can teach dumb, but I can't fix stupid. And basically what that means is I can teach anyone the basics, the knowledge, right? That's book learning. Mm -hmm. but, what, but empathy, uh, joy of others, mm -hmm. uh, curiosity, mm -hmm. uh, uh, some sense of emotional intelligence, and a sense of self-knowledge. Mm -hmm. These are the things that I, I, that I look for. Um, because these are the things that you ideally would like to have in a coach. Like I said, I can teach you the nuts and bolts of the things otherwise, but I need people that are curious about this, want this, look at this and, and want to be connected with their fellow humans and, and help their fellow humans. So, and how about specific to your, this niche that you're working in? I mean, I hear those qualities. Those are general coaching. Right good now, coaching therapists uh, or people that are any that have been in therapy, uh, self-help, um, life coaches, people that have been in any sort of one-on-one uh, -on -one interaction that are used to working, talking to people. Mm -hmm. um, these are the people that are going to be, that are going to be the best at learning how to communicate. Communicators really, really comes down to communicators, both in relationships and learning how to teach relationships. It comes down to communication. Gotcha. If you're a good communicator. I can teach you the rest. I understand. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. All right. We're down to the wire here, and actually, you're such a you're such a pleasure. To, let me just say, you're a pleasure to speak with because you're super articulate. You're clear about your mission and purpose. Um, you've got a great read of what's going on around us. Like not a lot of other not a lot of people seem. I think a lot of people are just waking up to this isn't going to end next week. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I I will flatter myself, and that one of my strengths is seeing patterns, both physically mm -hmm. and and you know in general. So. Mm -hmm been sort of seeing where we've been going for a while so you know sort of a curse a little bit because it's we're gonna it's gonna get bad but i just hope that we can add our little lights to the world so my question for you is what's the legacy you want to leave behind hi Etheridge? um i would love i've been watching my three-year-old daughter um, help me choose people for my clients uh, as I've been trying to entertain her as we've been all quarantined together. Mm -hmm. And I think that our culture, Western culture, has gotten further away from teaching someone about one's own job and career at a young age. Mm. And I, my legacy, my joy would be that my two daughters watch me uh, and I get to teach them uh, good communication skills, and they may be uh, able to join me on this journey as a family to help even more people. And, you know, it comes down to the cheesiness, but like my, my phrase, my motto is uh, changing the world one smile at a time. So I just keep pecking away at that, and uh, I think my life yeah. is good. I'm laughing because uh, in my former incarnation, I built green roofs. And uh, back in the 90s when nobody knew what they were. And our motto was changing the world one roof at a time. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. Oh, yeah. Now, now I'm changing the world one couple at a time, one individual at a time. You know, it's, yeah. All right. Well, listen, this has been super. And I've really enjoyed speaking with you. I'm sure our audience has gotten a lot from it. 
Any parting, any parting final words? Uh, any question you ask, make sure it's positive and emotional. Instead of saying, where are you from? Say, what's one of your favorite memories from childhood? Instead of oh, saying, sweet. what do you do for work? You say, what's your proudest moment at work? Work on that and people will be happy to talk to you. I think that's awesome. I, I come, I'm going to take that home with me. And I, I promise you that today, when my wife talks to me, I'm going to be super careful about listening to what she's that's really it. We can all learn from each really other. Saying. We can all get better. We can all get polished. So I love that, it. You're going to help me. I'm going to help you. And we're all going to get better. That, that may be some of the best advice I've heard all week. Great. Um, thank you so much. It's yeah. nice to hear. And it's been a pleasure talking to you as well. Thank you.